What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to another episode of Crossover Commerce, episode 99 of Eat Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments. Today's episode is titled, Where Are My Goods? Supply chain issues for sellers. It's really simple, right? Where are they? Like, are they on the water? Are they on my front, in, my, in the warehouse? Where are they? So uh, that, that's what we're calling today's episode. Obviously, one precursor to 100, but we'll talk about that here in a little bit later on in the episode. Uh, Crossover Commerce is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong transfers more than $150 million a day to e-commerce sellers just like you. Uh, helping over 1 million customers now, Ping Pong has processed over $90 billion with a B in cross-border payments. And to start saving money today, just go ahead and sign up for a free account. It's super easy. Go ahead and do that. It's in the show notes right below. Just click on that. Go ahead and sign up for a free account. You'll get a you'll find your ability to save four to five percent on international cross-border payments just by signing up. Again, it's free to do. Go ahead and check that out. Of course, after the show. Don't do it now. Sign up after the show, but it's in that link below. Go ahead and check it out. Um, a big welcome to our audience who's watching on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. As always, if you're new to the show, welcome for the first time. This is my lovely corner of the internet. As the intro said, I like to talk to people who are big in the Amazon and e-commerce space who are big about knowledge and helping other people grow and taking that one step further in their business to scale up and uh, and grow their entrepreneurial journey. Um, but if this is your 99th time joining us, again, welcome back to the show. We we appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead and let us know if you're saying, uh, if you're watching this live, go ahead and put that in the comments below because believe it or not, because this is live, you can interact with me and the guest of this show. Just go ahead and let us know where you're listening from. Any questions that pop up, go ahead and put those in there and we want to know what you're thinking. Um, if you catch this on Team Replay, um, or just catch this later on in passing, go ahead and also submit those questions as well. Uh, sorry about that. And uh, you can you can just tune in from there. Anyways, uh, if you are listening to this as well, just an audio format, we appreciate you doing so on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you're truly listening to a podcast, just search Crossover Commerce. If you aren't already subscribed to it, go ahead and do that so as well um, when new episodes become available. Season one is already out there. Season two which will be tons of content will be coming here shortly. I have lots of cool things in the work works. So stay tuned for that when new audio formats are coming out. We'll definitely catch up for that as well. But don't go ahead and do that. Uh, just go ahead and do that. And then, of course, subscribe and follow us on social media because I go live so often, four to five times per week. You want to be notified when I go live. Again, so much content we're pumping out here at Ping Pong Payments and Crossover Commerce specifically. You want to stay up to date on the latest and greatest news. Uh, as well. So go ahead and follow Ping Pong Payments, follow myself. I, I don't buy it. I love uh, sharing content with people, both personal and professional. Go ahead and subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all of the social channels as well. Clubhouse, we might even talk about Clubhouse later. Who knows? Uh, but anyways, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest because if it was just about me, it would be one boring show. I'd be talking to a microphone all day long, but I like to feature my guest Specifically, this is what makes crossover commerce so fantastic. Uh, Linked Up Leaders is actually uh, the direct link to leaders in the supply chain and e-commerce space. Each week, Francois and Lisa, our guests today, speak with industry leaders to highlight all the best and the worst aspects of these, these industries. They dive into the hardest challenges faced by B2B and B2C business leaders, share perspectives, 
and provide actionable insights into these multi-trillion dollar industries. Whether you're an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, a C-level executive, they're going to give you uh, a fresh viewpoint and ideas of what you might not have considered. Also working for the company Novaland, which we've had on prior to the show and a couple of other projects as well. I want to go ahead and welcome Lisa and Francois of Link Up Leaders. Guys, welcome to Crossover Commerce. Let me go ahead and meet you there. There we go. Hi. Right. What's up, everyone? Hi. <laughs> hey, how's it going, Thanks Ryan? Thanks for having us on. God, yeah, this was a turn of events quickly because if anyone's super dedicated to the show, you know that I had a different guest lined up today. And they had a miss last second, but Francois and Lisa were fantastic. They answered my my call to action right away. I said, <laughs> guys, I need help. I need someone to fill today because it's 99. Tomorrow's 100. I can't do I can't do 100 without 99. It, it's it's like a math problem. Like I, it, we don't skip it. Like I teach my six year old, you gotta go in order. You I can't skip around it. like that. So yeah, 99 had to happen, and you guys uh, answered the bell. So I appreciate that. Jumping in last second, we're gonna have a lot of fun. So I appreciate that for sure. Absolutely, we couldn't leave you with 99 problems. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I <know. laughs> yeah, and and a missing episode ain't one. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyways. Uh, Lisa, is this your first uh, podcast as a guest? That's my question for you. In starting. this industry, yes. I've All been right. a guest on a podcast one other time. Um, oh, gosh. It's called Digital Wellbeing, uh, hosted by uh, – I've just totally blanked on its name. Anyway, we just talked about um, kind of separating yourself from social media and all the technology that's surrounded by today so that we can maintain you know, well-being in this very digital world but also still keeping connected to the personal you know interpersonal real life so in this industry yes this is my first but it won't be my last i have another one scheduled there you go so i, I had to jump <laughs> in front of the line and make sure that yeah we're breaking the ice here on crossover commerce but yeah thanks again for, uh in front of all you're obviously a friend of the show you've been on a couple times uh with our we keep pushing our our, our roundtable series but that that is happening it will happen <laughs> parts part three and four will happen for everyone who's listening to that so um but yeah i wanted to kind of like bring you guys on and it made sense like I have, I like to call them friends uh, of the show. And there's lots of people that we're going to be having on episodes uh, 100 tomorrow. But specifically, I wanted to really touch on just the supply chain, you know, what's going on right now. And I haven't gotten a kind of my thumb on it yet. So I wanted to bring you guys into maybe like talk a little bit about what's going on. What are you guys seeing in the space? Because it just seems for a year now. And I think I've seen a couple articles. It just hasn't gone back to the way it was. And everyone's, Amazon keeps changing at, at the whim of, a, or drop of a hat, I should say. And it's really screwing up, not just planning, but specifically inventory planning. So mm -hmm. supply chain logistics problems, you have things like boats who are walking the Suez Canal. We're talking about like timing on everything. Like there's so much going on. Can you guys give me like a quick rundown of what in the hell is going on in the world? Yeah, I think the technical term is uh, gnarly. It's a pretty gnarly supply chain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that, that would do it. It's 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 exciting. Oh, all right. It's not exciting to most. It's exciting to me. I love sort of diving down into these things. And we just spoke with uh, Chelsea Cohen yesterday. I was so stocked. Um, and I, I think she put it very eloquently where – Today's e-commerce and Amazon sellers are being forced to sort of mature in this space, uh, whereas before it was more of a laissez-faire, very much rely on this just-in-time supply chain. Um, 
that, you know, again, a lot of people don't know the history of supply chain, but just in time manufacturing actually came from Toyota uh, and, and Toyota uh, basically did that to start to cut down on inventory costs and be more efficient and run on what uh, some may know as lean manufacturing. Uh, so a lot of inventory management and minimizing that, that way they can continue utilizing the small capital that they had. And in today's uh, e-commerce environment, we really adopted that uh, and really got used to that. Uh, and so as we saw Amazon grow over the past you know, decade, particularly as it went from more of the FBM to this FBA model, uh, we have seen a lot of struggles, believe it or not, um, even with you know the, the nine, uh, 10 figure sellers that are very successful in all the courses that are out there that say how easy it is. Uh, it has required that this industry evolve um, and it's gonna evolve with technology. It's gonna evolve with issues and issues like we're seeing today um, are really the only thing that are gonna push supply chain forward. Uh, without these issues, we're gonna be laid back. Amazon sellers are gonna keep collecting their money. And then uh, you know, two, three years down the road, if we didn't see this today, two, three years down the road, it would be even larger empires that would be falling. So right now it's, it's actually a fortunate time as much as a lot of sellers don't think it is. Um, but it is dynamic. Did I answer your question at all? Well, and that's the thing. <laughs> like, try to scout topic. Well, well, guys, and this is the thing we we keep seeing with people. This fast forward, it, it, it's almost like we were th this space. We were like teenagers, and we just like grew a foot over the summer, right? None of our clothes mm -hmm. fit anymore. Nothing what used to fit our model no longer works anymore. And so, like, we have to adapt and grow, and kind of like bring in these new lack of a better term, close and try to like know what's going to fit where we are in our current space. Are we going to continue to grow? It's potentially it's going to happen, but we're trying to fit what's happening right now and try to make that work as, as we're continuing to grow. And because this space grew so fast in one year, there, there was no time to kind of like fast forward or like grow with it. It was a, hey, we're going to do this all again, the whole model of just, you said just in time, now went to, we have to do this now, but on a massive scale. It went from being a luxury uh, industry to, I say luxury because people would shop online at their own luxury. Now to a necessity, I need my groceries. I need my goods as a uh, seller. I need more and more goods quicker, faster, because there's more opportunity to purchase online. So all that just kind of got shoved down this tiny funnel quicker and faster and it got clogged up and now we're just trying to catch up but we're not catching up that that's the problem i think so i think that does kind of answer as well um but yeah again with people if they have quite if you guys have questions and you're watching us on facebook or linkedin or youtube go ahead and submit those in as well because it's such a fascinating topic to me you we're all used to thinking you know two-day shipping it's like i don't know why this concept in my mind thinks i think this is like it's going to come from manufacturer to my doorstep in two days. And that's not the consumer. case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> consumer, consumer, my, consumer, consumer thinking, mindset, right? 100%. Right. You guys, you guys know the drill, right? A lot of people are like, where the hell is it? In like my bed, it didn't get to me for six months. I'm like, what's going on? Like, why is my bed frame not here? Well, it's because it's on a freighter parked in the middle of the Pacific ocean. That's not mm -hmm. able to unload to get to my house eventually. So all that stuff adds up over time. Who are, who are the, who are the losers here right now? Like, if you guys are seeing this, you guys are in it in the weeds every single day. Who are the losers right now? The most ill-educated, the ones that want to 
do business as usual and don't want to learn about supply chain. I would say those are maybe they're not losers right now and, and financially in a sense they're not losers. Uh, but at the end of the day, if they continue building this house of cards, it's going to crumble. Um, so those that don't want to actually learn about supply chain, um, and, and I don't say, you know, every business owner has to actually learn supply chain. You can hire someone to, to learn supply chain for you um, and then teach you along the way. Um, but if you want to continue building these amazing businesses, I, I think learning the foundation of supp supply chain and how it works from start to finish, not just the core concept of I'm going to have a manufacturer produce it, it's going to ship to me, I'm going to put it in a warehouse, I'm going to sell it. That's the high level 30,000 foot view that everyone is, is sort of used to. Um, it, it, it's more so understanding the nitty gritty. What is the process from a manufacturer to a port? for example, right? And that has to go on a truck. Now let's think about what's going on with the trucks and containers. Right now we're running with a, a global container shortage. Well, let's find out why that is. Uh, and, and so- You're talking about uh, just physical containers to put stuff in. Physical containers There's a, there's a shortage. Mm -hmm. There's a shortage and, and there's a, a two-way shortage. So a lot of it is of course being exported from Asia. A lot of it is not being able to be brought back because they're not importing as much. Um, and plus, you know, with the economy opening back up, a lot of these containers are going elsewhere and they are shipping maybe not to the U.S. as much, maybe to the EU. And then we're running into issues like the Suez Canal. Um, and then another thing that's not being talked about is that the carriers, the, the ocean carriers, these are not freight forwarders. These are imagine a freight forwarder is a travel agent that books the flight for you, but you're flying Delta. Delta is the carrier. Right. Uh, and so these major carriers are actually cutting back on the number of vessels that are actually going out. So now you're encountering a global container shortage. You're having pullbacks from these uh, major shipping carriers uh, that, of course, uh, I, I think uh, I forgot exactly where I heard this and, and, and don't exactly quote me on it. But shipping carriers are for the first time, and I think over a decade, starting to see uh, profits and they don't want to let go of these profits. Right. And so they're reducing the number of vessels that are out there. Demand is at an all time high. And, and with all of these things added up, you're going to start to see rises in shipping uh, container prices. Uh, LCL shipping is going to be uh, very hard to obtain nowadays. Booking lead times are going to be a lot quicker, uh, a lot longer. So where, you know, doing business as usual might be one to two weeks. It might take four to five weeks. I just spoke to Carl. We just spoke to Carlos Alvarez, actually. Um, and he was saying it, he can't get a container like five weeks ahead. That's that's a long time to actually plan when when sometimes, you know, you're working with a factory that you have major, you know, inventories that are coming out of it, it might only take them two or three weeks to produce. Uh, well, now they have to store. So it's and, and you know, I'm, I'm sort of going all over the place, but that's because there is so much that goes into it. There's so many little steps that no one wants to pay attention to. Uh, and they just say, well, my freight forwarder sucks. It's too expensive now and it's taken way too long and they want me to book ahead and mm -hmm. so they're they're trying to point a blame because all they know is this 30,000 you know foot view uh rather than saying well why is this happening who can i work with to try to figure out you know what solutions we have um and these are conversations that we have every day at Navyland with with a lot of our users and it sucks they're tough conversations to have um but i mean someone has to <laughs> someone has to have them you're either right. going to get uh, you know, uh, again, I'm not sure if you curse, but you, you're either going to get some BS from some right. freight forwarders that are going to charge you bottom dollar and deliver horribly, uh, or suppliers that do the same. It's always you get what you pay for. Um, and Lisa, we've talked about it, I think, at length uh, oh, here 100%. in the office. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, because everybody in all the Facebook groups with Amazon keeps looking for the cheapest solution. Who's the cheapest 3PL partner I can have? Who's the cheapest free forward? It's like, y'all don't want that. Like, look even at the comparison photos of like a $5 tattoo and a $500 tattoo. Like, just in the simplest terms, you're, you are going to, excuse me, you are going to get what you pay for. And ultimately, that's, that's going to make or break you. So we're looking at almost this evolution right before our eyes, just like, for example, we can apply to like the science in front of like making co uh, COVID-19 vaccines, right? Like you're looking at how the sausage is made and almost this shines a light on it. I'm going to draw very loose comparisons between them, not that they are one and the same. <laughs> you're looking at how the sausage is made right in front in real time. Like you said, everyone says, hey, I know I can order, make a, I can order a thousand goods and I'd be fine and not have to worry about like all the other shit in that has to come with it, right? Making sure it gets there on time, making sure like I have to worry about containers uh, being at the port, make sure it gets unloaded on time, making sure it gets to the fulfillment centers on time, all this other stuff to plan out. It used to be clockwork, right? Like you said, just in time, manufacturing and shipping. But now we're looking at, we have to break it down piece by piece now. Like how long are our manufacturers gonna be backlogged? Are they going to be able to load it onto a freighter are those, are those, yeah, take a, step, take, take a step back, raw materials. And, right. and I'm sure a lot of uh, sellers are encountering this right now. And I, I forgot who it was exactly that we spoke with, but I think it was after our show. He was telling us that uh, his cost in just the, the core product that he works with, this is Hero product. And it's a product he's been selling for the past two years, at least. It's doubled in price now from his supplier, from a supplier that he has great relationships with all because of raw materials. So it's it's not just, you know, from the manufacturer making it, it's from where those manufacturers are getting their materials from, mm -hmm. where those parts and components are coming from. Again, you know, if domestic trucking prices in China are going up, then the cost to get those materials to your manufacturer to assemble your product, to then receive the packaging, put it all together, those, all of those prices are gonna take effect in that final unit price. Um, and I think that's what's not being talked about. Uh, and it should be that uh, I, I want to shine a spotlight on it. And I want everyone to know that this is not just your buying products. This is your factory has a lot of upstream, you know, work that's going into it. Um, and, and it's hard, uh, I think, for a lot to conceptualize without the proper education behind it. So we, there's so many different ways that we have, we can like, obviously go deep dive in and, and we have the, I think we have a great time to do it. And again, um, just shouting out to a couple of people who have asked questions again. Hey guys, looking forward to the show. Thanks Blake of canopy management. Um, but Rob Stanley, uh, obviously a friend, um, who, who's talking about a couple of this, Hey, have we talked about inspections and tariffs? So maybe put this on our list to, to definitely cover. I think it's something to consider about because he, he mentioned a little bit later, a new administration, obviously in politics, tariffs to go down and that and that's talking about like all the different fees you're getting to import from different countries depends on where you're sourcing from right you're mm -hmm. talking about china you're talking about india you can be talking about all these other countries if there's a tariff in place and it might be super high like it was in the past couple of years there can be a significant either dropage in price which helps you out but there also could be other price wars and other facets that we might not see so um yeah so those, those are kinds of things that are super fascinating to me um Maybe, maybe starting from the beginning, raw materials. So we're talking about concept. Biggest areas of pain that I'm gonna that I'm I'm guessing there are gonna just be anything that's made of like wood, metal. Um and, and the, I'm I'm assuming a lot of it's coming from India. Is that where where you guys know where's a lot of the raw materials coming from and why is it such a short shortage right now? It's global. 
Um, so they're importing it from around the world. Of course, they're also purchasing from Russia, for example, a lot of their their lumber. Um, and, and it's not just lumber and uh, you know metals. It's actually plastics. And, and what goes into plastics to make a plastic a plastic, it's actually resin. Um, and so China, with being the largest importer of uh, recycled plastics and resins, uh, they're feeling this impact tremendously. And if you were to Google, for example, uh, price index of plastic resin, I, I think that's something that could be Googled. Uh, you will see the cost of raw materials go from, uh, I, I think it triples in the past quarter, if I'm not mistaken, either in the past quarter or in the past six months, it, it, it has tripled from what it was. And so that's the core. And we need to remember that this is a trickle effect. If your supplier is buying it for one, let's say one cent, right, they're going to charge you three cents. And then mm -hmm. if that, you know, components manufacturer converts that into something else, they added some value to it uh, instead of three cents they're going to sell that for seven cents now that's going to go up to your manufacturer that produces your product they're going to purchase it for 15 cents they're going to sell it to you for 30 right let, let, we're just we're not putting out passing it on yeah this. yeah we're passing yeah, it I mean, on for yeah. sure mm -hmm. yeah every, every what, step what, of the way what numbers are we looking at what numbers are you guys seeing in terms of uptick in price like at the end of the day when it gets to me the amazon seller what am i seeing in terms of like growth that i say growth in terms of in not even inflation, just the amount of where I was paying maybe six months ago. Now it's here today. What what does that pass along uh, percentage looking like right now? Thirty to two hundred and fifty percent, I would say, and that's a large really? range, a very large range. And it's I've so seen all over the our, place. Yeah, and I've seen some of our customers when it comes to the metals, for example, they're more so in the the twenty to thirty percent range. Um, and a lot of when it comes to plastics and lumber, lumber is a huge industry that took a huge hit. I mean, the cost to produce a house nowadays, uh, I think uh, my, my buddy just told me it's 50% more than it was this time last year to, to, to build a house because of lumber prices. Um, so, so this is not a supplier issue so much as it is a global issue as it is you know this demand is just rising so much it's a great indicator that the economy is picking back up globally uh, because if the manufacturers need more material demand is that high that they have to start raising these prices and that's a great indicator that you know or a bad indicator depends how you see the bubble uh, but it's a great indicator that uh, you know things are starting to pick back up well and this is the thing too and let's be clear for everyone who's listening this isn't the fact like there's not enough trees in the world. Like lumber is not disappearing off the face of the earth. This is just the demand has outpaced the supply. And thus time has come in a factor. And because people are working in these spaces, they can, right, can charge more because there's such high demand. We're talking about on the same page, correct, Francois and Lisa? Mm -hmm. And the inefficiencies. So remember the global container shortage, the cost of a container right. is up now. There's less vessels on the water, so there's less transport. Uh, the truckers are able to charge more for transporting domestically or you know between manufacturers. So all of these costs are gonna add up into your raw materials prices going up. Um, and this is something where if you ask your supplier, hey, why, why is this happening? Are you trying to negotiate them too hard on the price? They're gonna be like, well, this is just what's going on. This It is what it is. Uh, it's going to be a little bit harder for them to explain. But I think having this knowledge can arm you with, hey, how can we together bring these prices down? You might have a different supplier that can, you know, give them one of the major components to your to your product. And that can help bring down the cost. Uh, it's, it's somewhat who you know, uh, but it's also about operational uh, efficiencies and inefficiencies. So where... 
So stupid question. We keep bringing up shade, uh, container shortages. Why not make more? <laughs> I don't dumb know. Question? Is that a dumb question? I, like a container well, in my Lisa? mind, you see, you see them all over the place, just sitting on docks and whatnot. You do. Like, what? Why not make more if that's the case? Like I, I don't have an inventory listed worldwide, but it sounds like that there's, there's just not enough made. Is that yeah. a silly question? I, I think that is it. And the, the solution is to make more. So I was actually having this conversation with my family and, you know, back in the day when the U.S. used to have more manufacturing, we would ship things back in the containers. But at a certain point in time, when we had less manufacturing plants in the United States, we it cost more to ship an empty container back to China for them to fill it and ship it back to us than it did to just make new containers. So then they were just making new containers overseas. And then we just had a bunch of empty containers sitting around in the U.S., which is why now you see these container homes and container bars and things like that. So my understanding was that was the solution was just to make them. But as you've said, e-commerce and supply chain has now with COVID and everything gotten too big for its britches, as we say in the South. And it's really hard to keep up with that demand. So I think that is the solution, but it's just hard. I mean, these things are huge. Like <laughs> there's yeah, so they also many. Have a lifetime. <laughs> they, they don't last forever. Uh, you have to, uh, what's the material they're made out of? I want to just steel. iron. Is it right? Iron or steel? Well, and there, and, and if, steel. I, I'm no, I'm no chemist or anything like that, but when you're <laughs> on high seas, I'm thinking of saltwater pelting these things, they either uh, bad weather it just sits out there. It's in the sun all the time. Oh yeah, they're gonna so, rust out. So I'm so I'm doing math of water plus salt plus uh, open air equals rust. So mm -hmm. in theory, doesn't last long. Like you said, I'm I'm curious what if anyone is listening to this. If you know the shelf life of a vessel container, drop some knowledge on this. Yeah, well let's let's uh let's keep that. Uh, I'm I'm curious to learn. So if you know <laughs> that, just let us know. And no guessing, but you have to tell us the truth. Um, if you know that, just let us know. Um, so interesting. So we're looking at shortages that way. It makes sense. Like you, you just not make up a lot of stuff is trying to like, again, pick back up. So where the demand is, I'm assuming it takes a while to make all those and you don't think about it. You can't just ship them back to where they come from. It's not just like a reusable container that to go back on the boat across mm -hmm. to wherever else we have to logistically think about what's the best way to get from point A to point B and then back from B to A. Um, whether it's reuse them or, you know, if we're not doing more export, then, then we might be sitting on them for a longer time. And I don't know who's, who's stockpiling them, but there's a country out there who's sitting on a nice mound of containers <laughs> and you need to return them to their owner. Well, they're you using want. PPE. They're storing PPE in the containers nowadays too. They're storing they're them. They're not unloading them. Stockpiling PPE in containers is a thing. Uh, so there's thousands of containers out there that are just storing PPE right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, on top of that, it's it, like you said, it, it has to go both ways. Or I think Lisa mentioned that. Uh, and same thing with rail freight. I mean, the reason that rail freight, uh, the prices are starting to go down is because Europe is starting to figure out what else can you export back to China. And China realizes, hey, we're saving a lot of money when we're importing more products and we're using them as consumers, of course. Um, but that helps the trains go back and forth a lot more cost effective. Um, so you, you have started to see these, these rail freight prices start to go down. But um, of course, with everything else going on now, they are still staying high uh, relative to everything else. Right. Yeah. We say high and again, you're, you're talking, like you said, an uptick of 20%, 30%, but it could be a super high, um, oh, which no. is a lot. Oh, sorry, shipping! Shipping oh. is like three times. That's that's different. Yeah, 
Yeah, shipping I've, is I've like opened Pandora's box. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's go into this now. So uh, a container yeah, is like three grand. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like a container, like you said, is three grand just to get it over here. But you said shipping, that's on top of it, right? It's almost like your your container fee, but then also your to ship it to you. That's what we're talking about, correct? Well, so we just talked about raw materials. The raw materials right. is what I was talking about, the, the 30 to 250%. So materials itself is just really, really big, depending on who you are. Gotcha. So and, then, and that's the cost of the product, yeah. Right. So product is at your supplier. If I'm if I'm a new seller, if I'm just a seller in general, I still see that uptake on if I need to reorder wherever I'm selling online. I could be a seasoned person. I, I could be a new person. It affects everyone. So that's point number one. Point number two would be if I if I'm – and maybe this ties to the other point that we saw recently is Amazon has now implemented this new storage limit, which again, mm -hmm. you hear about all these different topics of how much can I have of one item or it's an ASIN base or ASIN base, excuse me, not ASIN base. We're not talking about the group, everyone. <laughs> ASIN base number. Um, so you can have that limit, but then they may, they actually open it up to, to say that there is a limit. Again, correct me if I'm wrong. There's a limit on, on a account level now so you can only have so much inventory across your entire account in an fba warehouse at one given point in time so now there's an issue of i have to play math really fast because do i need to push out rep bad or products that i know aren't performing well just so i can have my best sellers in there or do i need to start playing uh chance and just like let stuff stock out and not replenish that but there's a cap i'm getting capped now what 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 issues are we seeing there for you guys? Are you seeing more sellers? Not to say I can't I can't launch anything new at this level because I have this number one seller. Why would I give up something to test out a new product? What are you guys seeing there? I think Lisa, you did some research on how those inventory levels are affecting or no. Well, I just I did you know a little bit of a dive, but it's mostly the information I have is from our conversation with Chelsea yesterday. So you're right. Everything used to be on a per ASIN basis and it was 200 unit limit. If your IPI fell underneath a certain threshold, which everybody knows Amazon's been changing willy nilly since the beginning of COVID. Um, and a, a point, you know, that you had made that the landscape is ever changing and it is with Amazon too. It's unprecedented that they've made a change like this and implemented it the same day as their announcement that usually give you time to, you know, plan for these changes. But so it is essentially per account now, but I think they said they call it product type. Um, but the idea behind it is to get that product that isn't moving or isn't selling out of their warehousing. So they're capping you off. So you either just liquidate out whatever's not moving. It's so that you're not using FBA fulfillment as storage, like true storage. Right. They want to just be a distribution center. They would rather be more liquid inventory instead of sitting there as a potential, you know, product launch, uh, you know, facility or just something where, like you said, long-term storage, there's no, there's no place for it. They only have so much space, but because mm -hmm. of all of this, I, I call crap, there's all this stuff that's come in now. They don't have anywhere to put it. And that's crazy to think about how big these warehouses are. There's not enough space to put everything. So now they have to, by definition, cut people off and say, listen, it's only stuff that's going to move now problem with you guys is how do we take that just in time thing where you guys are trying to get that off the table and try to get more in planning involved. Now you got to get even smarter and say, how do we time it even right more right incorrectly to say that if I'm going to at this pace 
for my bestseller now now i have to make sure that my bestseller goods get there because i can't just let it sit there um or i'm going to get dinged or you know i have to i have to basically weigh the option of it's going to sell quickly or do i take a chance and let something not be there that's going to be fulfilled by amazon which is all these different benefits uh it, it not it just sit there and then you're losing out on on money one way or another so what, what's that conversation a, like with your customers now it, it's a maturity thing um I, I i think very much in their business so it's how much first of all capital do they have to invest uh what services and partners do they have uh, and that's whether you know, there are customers or um, if they're just a standard Amazon seller, if they want to call themselves an e-commerce or an online seller. Um, so it's it's knowing where these bottlenecks are created. So if you have the working capital to purchase inventory and you know for a fact that you're going to sell it, uh, sell it over you know a certain period of time based on certain campaigns that you run. Um, we were just speaking to, to, to Yanni about this, actually few weeks back um, and you have you know the proper launch strategies uh, then you would be able to place those larger orders with your suppliers you have better leverage for getting better pricing you can you know optimize your shipping uh, uh, shipping costs from overseas um, and you have typically more options the more you spend no matter where you go you have more options right uh, you could talk to your supplier about storing a portion of your inventory at their warehouse they may be open to that um, that's not to say they won't ask you to pay for that inventory up front, uh, but that mitigates one step of your supply chain. So that means you don't have to wait for the time uh, of, of manufacturing and you don't have to worry about uh, is the raw material cost going to go up or are they going to have capacity for me when I absolutely need them? Um, so I guess to track back and answer your question more effectively, it's being able to store more inventory and figuring out where you can store that, whether that's uh, in the country that you're manufacturing. I know I mentioned China a lot, but you know we're talking about India, we're talking about Vietnam, uh, Mexico, Canada, Brazil, there's all these other manufacturing countries. Uh, so wherever your supplier is, talking to them about what these issues that you're encountering uh, right now are and how they can help you solve them. So you might not be able to negotiate a better price and that price might go up 30% because of materials, but hey, how much risk are you willing to bring to your business? Uh, and, and you know, if you're not, if you don't have any products, you have nothing to sell. If you don't have anything to sell, you're not gonna make any money. So I think we have to come down to these realizations of we need inventory and we need it somewhere, uh, whether that's in the country that you're selling, in the US or in the EU or in Australia, wherever you're selling, um, where you are going to be paying a little bit more for that inventory uh, or doing it in the country that you're manufacturing. And I, I would say being less dependent on Amazon is always a great idea uh, mm -hmm. because as we've seen, you know, Amazon controls their customer or they own their customers. Uh, they're starting to release a few more demographics from what I've heard. Uh, but at the end of the day, you don't have direct contact to those customers, right? They're, they want you to keep spending on that PPC and they make these terms very vague for you. Um, and then it, we see with the inventory constraints and it changes a you know a drop of a hat where you where you primarily would use them for storage maybe for three four months worth of storage now you can maybe be limited to two uh and then you're you know figuring out where else you're going to store it hey am i going to get the same amazon fba center uh is it still going to be california is it going to be uh split across two different centers now there's all these different questions that amazon is not willing to answer because they probably don't even know they just have an algorithm where you plug it in and they play for you uh mm -hmm. they tell you where it goes 
So knowing your options is important. Knowing what three PLs are, not going with the cheapest one, like Lisa was saying earlier, very important. Um, and having partners, I think this is a time where a lot of businesses are going to realize the importance of partnerships and relationships uh, and not just transactions. Uh, mm -hmm. Plus finding out where you can save. I mean, with ping pong, you can save four to 5% on all your financial transactions when it comes to Amazon and e-commerce. Uh, so that, I mean, that's, it's, it's being innovative. Uh, it's being, uh, you know, creative with the solutions and realizing that you're not alone. You don't have to be Superman. You don't have to do this all yourself. Uh, there are others out there that are willing to help. Not everyone's just trying to, you know, take pieces of your pie away from you. Someone's coming from my job over here trying to trying to sell me <laughs> out. Look at this. That's my job, Francois. Come on. No, I appreciate that. Well, and that's the case, right? Like partnership, this is the time to, between companies, I think you're seeing a lot more of how can we get smarter with everything? How do we, how do we, the, the beauty of you guys know this and we, we can talk about, we can go supply chain for probably another three hours. I'm sure you guys talk all about it, but we're going to, we're going to switch over to your podcast a little bit as well and dive into that. But what I see from a, like a, as a host of a show who talks in many people in this industry, we always see how everyone's touching other different kinds of service providers and industries and why people are starting to now either land grab what I mean by that is companies are purchasing other ones to help be more effective, whether it's PPC or just data in general, or it's even companies like, I think we saw Scubana just get purchased by a uh, 3P somebody logistics, something like that. You're going to start to see more of these companies merge kind of joint ventures to see where in the supply chain is specifically, can we be more effective? You're also seeing it too. Why? brands are exiting their business more and more because if you think about it, if I'm a aggregator and my biggest pitch is going to be, you, you turn on the news, you guys want to deal with this crap that's going on for <laughs> however long, why not sell your brand now? We'll give you a nice little payday. We're going to figure this out for you. They have the equity now to figure that out. And also the supply chain down to a T that's where they grow. So I guess my question to both of you before we switch over to the, you know, a little bit more about the podcast Who's winning right now? Who who are the people that people or businesses that are in great standing where they are going to ride out this wave and they're going to be the ones that kind of stay ahead of the curve? Lisa, do you want to speculate? If Amazon keeps it up, the three PLs are going to make out like bandits. I mean, because a lot of people, especially with all the changes Amazon's making, folks wanting to do omni and multi-channel fulfillment and expand their reach i guess i i think they're gonna they're gonna win at the end of the day if it keeps up like it is that's just my opinion yeah and then when it comes to sellers i think whoever has the most capital and that can invest in their supply chain like you're saying ryan uh, i think those are going to be the ultimate winners uh, i think you could let your competition die out uh, and i think that will be an option that a lot are going to start to see is is an actual option it's tangible to just see your competitor die because they have no inventory they're going to start to lose their bsr they're going to have to double down on ppc uh, you can start to own those first pages a lot easier so anyone that has a very solid supply chain uh, and that understands it i think is more important um, and has mitigated the proper risks those are going to make out and the aggregators are great at doing that uh, they're, they're amazing. They understand where these inefficiencies are. They have geniuses. Uh, I mean, they have engineers from every level of the supply chain that can analyze these things and say, this is the bottleneck. 
and, and they just have tremendous spreadsheets and and it, i mean kudos to them they, those guys are uh, uh insanely smart um but yeah i mean anyone that has the capital the resources uh to ride it out and and the knowledge and supply chain uh to, to beat out their competition is going to be great great when it comes to e-commerce absolutely we got a question or we got an answer from our uh our nice little trivia fact mm-hmm. it looks like rob stanley coming up to the coming to play my my, my guy mm-hmm. looks like uh corrugated wall panels frame cargo doors cross members of metal rob you definitely copied this from google <laughs> i'm just gonna say this for everyone listening to this on the podcast this looks like a definition you would just copy and paste from wikipedia but rob if this is off the top of your head good to see you, my man i know he's sold on amazon his wife's still selling on amazon so it would make sense for them to know that but yeah he lives out there in california they would know what those things are you just walk up to one right now and check it out but yeah weathering <laughs> steel special steel no there's weathering steel primary material material for shipping containers good stuff man um thank you thank you for that little lesson and what or this segment of the show is what is a shipping container made of so weathering steel is the answer um cool stuff so you guys you guys are going through this with your customers on a day-to-day basis i'm Mm-hmm. Curious to see with with that being the case, it's very difficult to figure out where are you guys seeing your where you guys are stepping in and saying we're gonna fix your problems as Novaland, we're going to help help you kind of ride this out and bring some value to you in this this way. What what are those kinds of conversations looking like right now for you guys? Well, I think we're talking about efficiencies and that that's mainly what I've been hitting on every step of the way and even saying, you know, aggregators have these geniuses that look at supply chain and analyze it. Uh, We own the full stack. So all the way from the manufacturers and talking to them through quality control management, through logistics, through um, fulfillment. I mean, when you own that full stack and you can centralize it all on a platform and you can use automation to handle a lot of the trivial tasks and reminders and, and all these parts that go into it, uh, that traditionally are done through email, that are done through Excel, that are done through WeChat, uh, and they're, they typically require multiple parties, so multiple companies that you have to work with, QC inspectors, freight forwarders, manufacturers, uh, potentially a few other people at your company, merchandisers or buyers. Uh, we can help them consolidate all of this uh, and centralize it to make it more efficient. Um, now, that's not to say we have every manufacturer that can produce every product. We're getting there. Uh, we're continuously growing in that aspect. Uh, but we are simplifying the way that global purchasing is done. Uh, and that's exciting. And that's why I have absolutely no problem diving down a rabbit hole for three hours in something, one very specific thing that has to do with supply chain. Um, and I know I nerd out a lot with Lisa, and I'm sure she's tired of hearing about it. Um, she but knew what she was uh, getting into. <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning kind of, i didn't <laughs> at the beginning maybe now she does the beginning now I'm very aware. I, I i get very excited about it because it's it's the core of everyone's business but uh it's the core of the world honestly it's it, that's in my opinion but um well, so, yeah it doesn't touch just e-commerce right this is this is this is global commerce what we talk about on the show i use the phrase e-business e-business is being touched on literally every aspect of the world it's localization it's uh, cultural appropriation it is making sure that you're getting product or service from point A to point B. It doesn't have to just be sold online. It could be your retail inventory. It can be your it can be your clothes and stores. It can be how you um, 
it, it, it's how medicines being done now. It's how grocery shop. Yeah. Vaccines. It's, it's how, it's how doctors are now looking at their patients. It's how we're grocery shopping. Now we've, we've gone from a point of shopping online was a luxury. Now is a necessity. Necessity is scary for a lot of people because they either don't want to adopt a change. They either grow with it or they get burned by it. And I think that's why a lot of people are scrambling now is going back to our original point. There's such a growing pain. We're the, we're in the teenage stage of what commerce is right now on both consumers and as businesses. How are we going to evolve and adapt? Hell, people didn't even go to an office for a year. Now people are even see, is it even worth it? I know former companies of mine, they're like, we're just going to be stay remote. This is nice. Like, I don't want to go to an office. That That's a win for some businesses. That's, also a pain for retail stores and shopping centers. You know what I mean? Like there, there's all sorts of ebbs and flows, but how are you going to adapt and what are you going to change to make people's lives better, more effective? Awesome stuff. So you guys have so much knowledge to share. Obviously that, that obviously I would assume to lead into your podcast link up leaders. So maybe tell me a little bit about why, why, why now, why is this the time that you guys want to bring more education to the space? And then obviously just tell us about like that evolution to kind of bring it to fruition. Yeah. So I think as far as the timing of the show, Francois would have loved to have had this launched two or three years ago, <laughs> but uh, he just didn't have enough hands. That's why I got brought onto the team. So yeah, Link Up Leaders, like you said, it's the direct link to leaders in supply chain and e-commerce. And obviously we try to offer um, any insights or information that we have through our experiences at Noviland. But, oh, did I get muted? No, oh, okay. I, that was me. That was my fault. <laughs> okay. um, I don't like what you're saying, so we're going to mute you. No, okay. I'm just saying. Well, you know. um, but yeah, so we just we like to offer um, any information or insights that we have from experiences at Noviland and working within the supply chain and e-commerce, but more importantly, to bring leaders from all the different facets. So, you know, logistics, 3PLs, um, PPC for not just Amazon. There's so many folks who are selling on Shopify, uh, WooCommerce, big commerce. I can't remember all the names of them. Magento. Um, but really like, you know, it's, it's just about education. The ones who win are going to be the ones that have all the knowledge and information to best arm their business and do the, you know, inventory planning and management, things like you said. So, um, Francois and I really just wanted to get this started so that we could help better educate not only our users, but everybody that's in the industry. And it doesn't even have to just be e-commerce. It can be anybody working in supply chain in general, talking about trucking in the U S and the shortage of drivers that we've had for a hot minute now and the containers that, you know, you just said, Ryan affect absolutely everybody. So all that's, that's all our goal is, is just have a super fun show, a one hour conversation, some Sometimes multiple times a week with different leaders within both of those industries to just share as much information as we can. That's amazing. So what what's been as one podcast host to two? Mm-hmm. What has been the most exciting thing to start this? And then also on the flip side, what's the most challenging thing to to start a podcast then? So from my experience, so I didn't have any experience in supply chain or e-commerce prior to working at Noviland. And I've only been here for less than a year. I got hired on July of 2020. So the most exciting thing for me has been actually learning all of the different fun, cool things about the industry and about Amazon and all the nuances and intricacies, because I've been, I'm just, I'm still so green. It takes years to learn everything about these industries and everybody's learning every day. So I like learning alongside with our audience and being able to ask those questions that I know they have on the other end and either they watch after the fact and it's like, oh, we get the question answered for them already because Lisa had no idea what they were talking about. So that's 
been super exciting for me and just being able to learn from all these folks and make these different connections and, you know, become great friends with folks like you. Um, the challenging part, I don't know, the challenging part for me has been, it was just getting it launched. It was just like preparing for it, making sure you have all of your, because I'm very much so a T's crossed and I's dotted, measure twice, cut once kind of person. And Sometimes you don't get to do that. Sometimes your guests cancel. Sometimes people yeah. reschedule last minute. <laughs> hey, we we know, and this is no slide on our guests. I know things come up in, in time, like, but it, it's one of those things. Like, we live in a now society of when when you do show live, like we do in this one. Maybe they don't know that I, I was going to surprise my guests that we we're going to, but willing to to reschedule, I definitely love. But that that's why this beauty to have like almost like this Rolodex of people you can just like tap into say, Hey, I, I didn't learn enough way. I need to learn more about this. Like who, who can mm -hmm. I touch? And that's what's the most exciting thing about the space. Who's, who's doing this consistently. You're constantly can go to every topic, even though I probably heard at this point of my almost 100 shows of the 99, I've probably heard 10, 15, 20 of them, at least be PPC and they're like, Jesus again with the PPC. <laughs> God, no, but it's the thing is, is like the, the exciting thing I, for me as a host is I, I know I'm going to learn a different perspective from each and every person. It doesn't have yeah. to be, it can be taught to me. The same stuff can be taught to me, but in a different way. And that's, what's so fascinating is that you can come at it from a different perspective. Someone always says something different and that's where I kind of latch onto. It's always fascinating to see how people look at one topic and can, can di dissect it so many different ways. So I'm sure that that you guys will see that the more how many how many episodes are we at right now for you guys? Oh gosh, I just did the count the other day. I think tomorrow is going to be episode 28 or something like that. Damn. Um yeah, Damn. and we launched on March 1st. Uh but to your point of just getting different perspectives and things, I was just thinking about it. Like it's pretty common knowledge that whenever you're looking for a product to sell on Amazon, I wouldn't say common knowledge. It's common practice, I guess, to not just follow whatever you're passionate with. Like you want to do something that you know is going to sell well and have a pretty good ROI. And if it's maybe not the most interesting product to you, that's okay. But then you see somebody like Carlos Alvarez, who was just on our show, who were like, how do you pick your products? He's like, I know it's not what you're supposed to do, but I go with what I'm passionate about. And he's had wild success. And you see some other people do that and fall flat on their face within the first six months. So it's just really cool to hear those stories in both sides of the coin. Exactly. Because one side, you can be super successful. You know what the hell you're talking about. And you can mm -hmm. say, I know the problem. This is how the solution is. And boom, you're, you're good to go. But other people are you know, I've seen guests in the space who are like, yep, yeah, I'm a, I'm really big into like dog toys and like I don't have a dog or an animal or anything like that. I'm like, <laughs> There's not a connection here. Like what, what's happening? Like, they're like, I actually hate dogs, but you know, I'm, you know, it's fine. I find what I'm good at. Um, your mortgage, they, exactly. Well, yeah, it, it is what it is. We don't always go into the businesses that, I mean, hell, I didn't get into fintech because I'm, I'm a big math nerd. I'm a big e-commerce person. And that's what we solve problems for other people in different ways. There's always a piece of the puzzle you can insert yourself as. I'm, I'm not a big, I don't know anything about, I won't say anything. I've learned a lot. I don't know anything about like, <laughs> obviously <you> <laughs> like I can't do it in like real time. I can't convert, you know, currencies across the world. If they say, mm -hmm. what's the currency for this, uh, for this country, I can be like a big guess and close, but I won't be like, I won't be like a Rolodex or anything. That's the yeah. cool thing is, we're always learning. Um, no one knows everything. And if you know everything, then why are you in this industry? Um, Francois, do you have any insights or what's your biggest uh, takeaways for doing it, something like this? Honestly, Is it the fame, fame and fortune? <laughs> 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 well, I, um, 
you know, Lisa really made my life a shit ton easier uh, joining the team. Uh, completely honest, when she joined back in July, uh, it, it took a lot off my plate and she was able to make this podcast a, a thing. Uh, so I am grateful to say that I didn't have too many challenges. I think our hardest challenge was deciding if we were going, you know, with the regular schedules or live versus recorded. And um, I'm more of the laissez-faire side where it's like, uh, you know, we could go live. If something goes wrong, it's fine. It'll happen. Someone that cancels, it's going to be okay. We'll figure something out. Um, so I think we balanced each other out very well there. Um, but the most exciting part, uh, and, uh, you know, I made that sound very easy. It, there was a lot that went into it that Lisa specifically took care of that I was not good at. I knew that I was not good at it. <laughs> like the planning, like getting, you know, the guests uh, in line with, you know, hey, this is what's going to happen. If you go full screen, you're, we didn't drop off. It's just you. We're yeah. using it. <laughs> so she she did everything when it comes to preparation. I'm very grateful for it. Um, so she made my life a ton easier. She made the show possible at like i don't think we would have had a show without lisa um so very grateful for you lisa uh and, and then in regards to the most exciting part uh i love talking to people that are a ton smarter than me and that's why we brought lisa on board also <laughs> well, um, i'm definitely and, not smarter than you <laughs> well i mean everyone's smart about something Right. And, mm. and, and, uh, you know, we get people on that are very, very smart about FinTech or that are very smart about Amazon or PPC. Um, and, and they give you all these, like you said, these different perspectives, which is exciting to hear. Uh, but I am also a big fan of rabbit holes. Uh, and, and so I kind of start to dive down. What's this? What's that? And, and there are simple questions that I thought I knew answers to. Uh, and then I always learn something new. Uh, and, and, you know, similar to supply chain, I get to deal with this day in and day out. Uh, and I get to go down those rabbit holes because I know what I'm looking for. Uh, well, our guests get to tell me what I'm looking for. They get to tell me what is the next step? What, what, what else is going on that I don't know about? What should I be looking into? What should our customers be looking into? Um, so, so that's, the more exciting part that I get to learn something new every single time we have a conversation, uh, whether that's with Carlos or with anyone else or with yourself, uh, with, you know, uh, the host firing the man, it, it, there's so many cool people and, and we formed this awesome community. I mean, yeah. the fact that you just messaged us, you know, not too long ago and hopped on here, uh, it, I, I consider you a great friend. Uh, so I, I love these conversations. I, I think it's uh, it's an awesome community to be a part of. There will be a day when I meet in pe in person with people that I found on this podcast. I've, called, <laughs> yes. I've truly only I've truly only had one person on the podcast almost out of the almost 100 episodes. Some people I consider really close to me already. It's been one hell of a year, guys. That's how that's how I look at it. But I've only met one person in person, one individual in person. But that's the crazy thing about it is that we're all kind of going through this together. I know people are starting to like go through conferences and now we're starting to meet with people and that that's coming and that's in due time, uh, which is really exciting because shoot, I don't know what people actually think of me in person. I don't know if they're going to have the same perception of me. They're going to see how short I am. They're going to be like, what? <laughs> Who is this guy? This guy I'm teaching five... us on baseball. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, my God, he's five, seven. Yeah, I am five, seven. Like I'm a short guy. Um, but that's the thing is like, I, it, I hope I, this is my this is my hope kind of like I don't think this is the case. You can see a lot and learn a lot from people through their voice and through their mannerisms on things like this. And mm -hmm. I truly think like people don't put on a front like this. They 
they truly themselves. And that's why scripted stuff is not how we run the show. It's always like, tell us more about yourself. Let's learn about the individual. And if they're stiff, they're stiff. Like maybe that's who they are as people. But if you can kind of be loose, you can learn information and pull it from an instance. That's why we don't edit these podcasts is because I can make myself look really cool and really, uh, really awesome all the time. But that might not be me in that moment. So I'm just kind of going to run with it. That that's the beauty of doing shows and podcasts, I think now more than ever. And I hope that truly my hope and wish is that it translates over to people in person. And when we do events and we're talking in front of hundreds of thousands of people in real life, I truly think and hope that that's the case. And uh, it's not just a facade or like a, you know, a show, if you will. So that, that's, that's kind of my thought, but yeah, we've been truly lucky obviously to have you guys on and, and kind of share some knowledge and insight too. Is there anything that, a third of the year is already gone um, in 2021. And I remember having conversations with everyone saying 2021 is a year. There's everything's going to get back to normal. We're a third of the way through the year. What, what's the rest of the year? I mean, I'm sure we'll touch base obviously before then, but what's for people listening now, what is the next couple months look like for you guys and for just business and what you guys are doing? Growth. I think uh, we have some exciting projects uh, that we no, we can't talk about it. Not can't, yet. I don't we think can, not yet. No, not yet. But we have some exciting projects that are, will <sighs> be coming out very soon. All right. Um, and and we could talk a little bit about it maybe off air, but uh, we we, we got to keep it close to the chest. So only close friends, only with you, uh, <laughs> and a few select others. Um, but I think more so when it comes to e-commerce and online sellers, I think this is what they make of it. I think they can use mm -hmm. this as an opportunity to beat out everyone else that's not willing to put in the work. Uh, I think you can find new seven, eight, nine figure sellers after 2021, just like we did after 2020. Uh, but I think we're also going to see a lot of empires fall. A lot of sellers that thought they, they were very successful in that they had solid foundations uh, crumble. And that's going to be very unfortunate. Uh, or hopefully they are able to sell their business beforehand and, uh, you know, the aggregator is able to help them continue to grow. Uh, so I, I think it is what you make of it. You can always, you know, turn a tragedy into a positive. I don't know how that saying goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's an exciting year. I think it's, it's very dynamic and everyone has an opportunity here. Lisa, so anything I for you? Well, I was gonna say, I have a question for Francois, actually, we haven't talked about this yet. So generally speaking, we start telling folks in, you know, July, August, you need to start preparing for Chinese New Year. With all the container shortages and everything else going on, do we need to start that now? I mean, how do you see, how do you see the next like six, nine months playing out? Well, we I have, mean, I, yeah, to add on to that, Prime Day was teased or very much heavily yeah. hinted at for June, July, and that's already happening. It's too late for that. Right. But yeah. You're yeah. talking about, you're talking about Q3, Q4 when you know for a fact that there will be lots of, again, more online shopping. Mm -hmm. what, what's that look like? Good question. Lisa. I, I don't know. I, I have no clue. I mean, I think we should start talking about it now, but I think also, and I think I need to correct myself from earlier, containers are not $3,000. They used to be about $3,000 going to the West Coast. Uh, you're seeing bids as high as twelve dollars to $13,000 for that exact same trade lane. Mm -hmm. uh, so over triple uh, what, what they were before. So I just wanted to correct myself there. But I, I think it's going to be hard to say. I think everyone should start to, if, if you think that your products are going to continue to sell, I think you should invest in more inventory. Uh, I, I guess that is the one 
consideration that I have inventory, and that's the only thing. Uh, everything else can sort of, you know, be eaten, whether it's the uh, 3PL storage cost, whether that is the um, uh, ocean freight, uh, whatever those steps are, those are, you know, steps that move your inventory, but without the inventory, you have nothing. You have none of those steps. You have nothing to sell. You have no profit margins because you have no product. Uh, so it's just remembering that inventory is going to be key. Uh, just kind of like how we all say, you know, during a recession, cash is king. Uh, your inventory is king gear. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. one one quick little just thing that we keep saying for like inventory replenishment is the three W's, working water and warehouse. You always want to have something in the works at your factory. You always want to have something on the water on the way to your warehouse and then something I think I said that wrong. It works in the factory, on the water, and then in the warehouse being sold out. But I mean, even even just with the scheduling out that time in your warehouse, that's why using a 3PL is so important right now, specifically for Amazon sellers, because they're taking three plus weeks to mm. inventory a new product that's coming in. So that's potentially three weeks that you're going to be stocked out that you were prepared for, and they're just running behind. Yeah. We're going to so. have to schedule a whole different... We're going to have to get really <laughs> nitty-gritty on like... These are the solutions you're going to have to start doing and think about. I think that that's another episode here in the near future for you guys. But hey, congrats also on the new building that you guys had just broken ground on. Is yes. that is that is that a thing? Yes. I saw, yeah. I saw someone digging dirt, so I'm assuming it's a building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. That's part of our we'll keep that as part of our teaser. Uh, but let's just mm. say Noviland is growing uh, in, in, in a time that supply chain is so tough. Uh, so it's exciting news. Uh, if anyone wants to dig the dirt up, they can find the dirt. It's out there. Um, but we'll leave it as a teaser here. You're going to have to dig a little <laughs> bit, everyone, to find it. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. See, more puns. I love it. Well, yeah, you guys, yeah, we'll have to, I'll have to listen off uh, camera for this off camera and off mic for this kind of stuff. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you both again. Congrats on all the success of the podcast, which again, we linked below on the YouTube the YouTube channel. Make sure you, everyone subscribes to that and make sure you guys connect with you guys on LinkedIn as well because there's always great knowledge that they're sharing. And then of course, check out novaland.com. Uh, make sure that you the link is below in the show notes. So check them out if you like what we hear, if you just have more questions, which I of course do. Um, <laughs> these guys are a, a quick message away um, from helping your business grow and that in that instance. So there's always more to be learned with you guys. So thanks so much for hopping on again. Last minute. I say last minute. This, this happened literally two hours ago. I want to say everyone. Uh, so it's, it's been a lovely and a great time with you guys as always. So thanks for hopping on uh, crossover commerce today. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks Ryan. Yep. Awesome. Thank you guys. Um, I was just want to say again for everyone who, who hasn't heard me say it all week. Again, this is the 99th episode tomorrow. Tomorrow's Friday. So it is the 100th episode of Crossover Commerce. What that means is that I've been, I've been allowed to go on the internet live four to five times per week this many times. So with that being said, I want to do one more teaser of tomorrow's episode. I have 10 former guests who are coming on to share quick tips and knowledge of what they've seen so far in 2021 and what they're going to be looking for uh, in the upcoming year, I call it my 10 by 10 episode, 10 guests, 10 tips. You multiply that together, we get 100. Uh, it was something that we wanted to create and do a little bit of celebrating as well. I think it's a cool milestone. We've been able to do this and people are still willing to come on the show. Let's be honest with you. Um, that That's kind of the beauty of this show. We want to bring more knowledge, more wisdom, more understanding of this space, make it more e-business focused for Amazon and e-commerce sellers. So with that being said, again, 
just to kind of tease a little bit what's coming tomorrow for a big 100, check out this little teaser clip that we put together. What's up, everyone? I guess we're live right now because it's blinking at me as live. What's up, everyone? What What's is up, up, everyone? Episode 32 of episode 46 of episode 76. Welcome to episode 8080 of Crossover Commerce presented by Ping Pong Payments. Thank you, everyone, for, again, tuning into Crossover Commerce. This is my show that I go live four to five times per week. It's a lot of content, but it's my passion to bring you the best and greatest minds in the Amazon and e-commerce space. I only do this for you, the Amazon and e-business uh, community. So my job is uh, really easy in that regard. If that doesn't get you hyped up and jacked, I don't know what it was. You're on the wrong show, I think. But that gives me goosebumps to think. Uh, shout out to my uh, team, uh, Robert Charles and Jamie and our new marketing manager, Tommy, for putting it out together. They've been really supportive this whole journey. If I have people who come on last minute, they're putting together awesome assets. So I just want to give a quick personal shout out to those guys who may be listening or they're doing other things uh, for our global team as well. But just shout out and thanks to all of our guests, of course, today with uh, Lisa and Francois. But of course, all of the many ones that have come on the show, we're going to talk about more tomorrow, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern. Again, if you're busy, it's a Friday. I understand. Tune in or tune out. You're hearing my dog in the background shake, so I have to go let her out. That's the beauty of this show. But with that being said, thank you for this journey so far. We're going to do a little celebrating, a lot of information gathering and sharing tomorrow. So make sure you tune in. Again, we go live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. You don't want to miss out on a single episode. And again, subscribe and follow us on social media to be notified when we do go live. I'm Ryan Kramer, the host of this show, Crossover Commerce. Take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening today and asking questions. And we'll see you guys tomorrow on episode 100 of Crossover Commerce. Take care.